This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. I'd like if you would to take your bulletin and uh, turn it to that third panel on the far right on the inside, which lists God's 10 breakthrough plan principles. And this is how I've summarized it from our study thus far in Exodus chapter 14, and then we're going to cover 15 briefly this morning. But I'd like, if you would, to join with me in reading these 10 breakthrough principles. They are the ones in bold print. So we're going to read the bold print, not the the fine print, the bold print together that begins with, I believe you, Lord. Let's read that together. I believe that you, Lord, know where I am and what I'm facing. I believe that you, Lord, will work things out for your glory and for my good. I believe that you, Lord, are to be my primary focus so problems are seen in proper perspective. I believe that you, Lord, help me through my fears when I call upon you with ongoing faith. I believe that you, Lord, are fighting the battle on my behalf, allowing me to calmly wait upon your perfect timing. I believe that you, Lord, have given me common sense to know what to do next, even when you don't show me. I believe that you, Lord, want me to notice that you are working all the time to protect and provide for me. I believe that you, Lord, will not only deliver me, but that you will also deal with my adversaries. I believe that you, Lord, want me to learn from what you have done in my life in order to trust you more and to follow godly leaders and spiritual authority without blaming them when things go wrong. I believe that you, Lord, deserve praise for who you are and thanksgiving for all you have done for me. All right, now, I want you to know that when I preach this series to you, that this message was just as much for me as it was for any of us. And uh, I cut off the end part of that program. And I want you to know that I've been practicing these principles and seeing God show up. And that's the beauty of it. You could take this gift that I'm giving you, and you can kneel before the Lord. And whatever Red Sea problem you have, where it's too big for you, it's overwhelming, you just start praying through these principles and doing what these principles say. And guess what? You too will experience a breakthrough. God will come through for you as you trust Him in faith. All right? 
Now we want to look at today the last of the principles, which is God, hope exalts God. Hope exalts God. Exodus 15, 1 to 21. It says in verse 2 of Exodus 15, The Lord is my strength, my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. When you have your heart filled with hope, hope because you've seen God deliver you, and this is now after God has parted the Red Sea and the Israelites have crossed over safely to the other side, and then the Red Sea closed over the Egyptian army, and they all drowned. With this incredible salvation, this incredible deliverance, Moses is about to lead the nation Israel in a song of praise, because his heart is full of celebration and hope and delight in the greatness of God. He exalts God. He says, God, you are the highest. You are the greatest. You're the most wonderful. You mean so much to me. When you have that attitude, it changes your life. A worshipful heart is a heart full of faith and hope. Praising God is the way to experience His presence, His power, His peace, His protection, and His provision. Did you know that we're about to look at what some call the oldest recorded song in history? Did you know that Exodus 15 is the first hymn found in the Bible? That's right. This is a song composed by Moses and Miriam, and it has, some say, three stanzas, some say four, some say even five stanzas, depending on how you look at it. But I want you to know that I am blessed today to go through this hymn of praise to God. And isn't music important? When we sing hymns, there's something about it that is very meaningful. Number one, you're singing from your heart. Number two, hymns are truths about the greatness of God and what He has done put to music. Number three, It helps you remember. When you sing a song, you remember words way better than trying to memorize by rote. And also, number four, music touches a part of your soul that nothing else can touch. So it's important that Moses created this song with his sister Miriam in saying to the whole world, how great is God. So we need to worship God, and my outline is very simple. God is stronger than the best, God is different from the rest, and God is leading us in a quest. Now that has a rhyme to it, and uh, you're going to see how it captures uh, my many hours of study of this passage. If you do have a Bible with you, I'd like, if you would, to note something. I believe there are three stanzas to this great hymn. And the three stanzas are marked by how each stanza ends. So if you look at verse 6, Hebrew poetry is not like English poetry. English poetry rhymes. 
but Hebrew poetry repeats. So look at verse 6. It says, Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. So the emphasis of the first six verses is on the power of God because the right hand of God represented his power and authority. Hence the point, God is stronger than the best. Then if you look at verse 11, you see another repeat at the end of that section. And verse 11 says, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? The question, who is like you, is repeated twice. And it represents the section that God is different from the rest. He's not to be compared to anyone. He alone is God. And then look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. Again, the repeating of those two lines talks about God bringing his people on a quest or a journey from the bondage of slavery in Egypt to the promised land in Canaan. So God is leading us in a quest. That's how I got the outline from this message based on the Hebrew poetry of these repeated lines in verses 6, 11, and 16. So first let's look at God is stronger than the best. It says that Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. Can you imagine the tingling excitement, the chills and the the uh, goosebumps that the people had when they realized that they were really safe now, that God had delivered them from their Egyptian taskmasters, from this uh, army that was after them, and uh, they sang with gusto. And I'll never forget, I was a freshman at Gordon College in Wenham, Massachusetts, and upperclassmen would lead a worship service Sunday evenings for any students who wanted to attend. And you know what they taught us? They taught us scripture songs. Songs put to scripture, scripture put to song. And one of the songs they taught us was based on this verse. And I'm going to sing it for you. It goes like this. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. And it has another part to it that's really great. The whole point I'm making is, I learned that as a freshman in college, and I still remember it. So Miriam did not want the people of Israel to ever forget the deliverance of God that was so miraculous when he opened the Red Sea and he made a way where there seemed to be no way. It goes on to say in verse 2, the Lord is my strength. Again, the emphasis is on the right hand of God, his power. The Lord is my strength. Personally, he is not one who gives me strength so that I could beat the enemy. He is literally my strength against the enemy. There's a difference. 
Some of us want to be superheroes. Some of us want to have supernatural strength from God, and we interpret, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as, okay, God, you give me the strength and I'll take care of it. No, we are weak no matter how you cut it. God is our strength, and our strength is but weakness. The Lord is my strength, my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God. Now, that's an interesting statement. My Father's God. It goes back to Exodus 3, 6, where Moses was at the burning bush, and God revealed Himself to Moses and said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't God faithful? He is faithful through the generations. You may be a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, or a great-great-grandfather. But guess what? God has been faithful to you and your family all these generations. He's the God of my fathers, and I will exalt him. We have much to praise God for, don't we? Now, back in chapter 14, verse 31, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God, again, the strong hand of God, representing his strength and power and his authority, displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in, his, in Moses, his servant. So the proper response to seeing the power of God is having awe of him. Not being afraid of him, but having awe of him. Shirley loves when uh, there's a strong wind or powerful storm because it reminds her of the power of God. And you can't help but be in awe of God. And if he's that powerful, then we should trust him. We should leave it with him. Let go and let God. So we see already God is stronger than the best. He's highly exalted, as mentioned in verse 1. He is my strength, my defense, my God, my Father's God in verse 2. And in verse 3 says, He is a warrior. The Lord is his name. God, like the king who leads his army into battle, is our warrior. And his banner over us is love. God goes before us, God goes behind us, God goes to the sides of us. God is our protector, our defense, our shield. He is our mighty fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. He is a warrior. And the Lord, notice that in your Bible, Lord is in capital letters, L-O-R-D. That's the holy sacred name of God, Yahweh is mentioned here. It's the covenantal God who has made a promise, a commitment to his people never to let them down, always to be loyal to them. Even when they're faithless towards him, he is loyal to them. He is Yahweh, the God, the covenantal God of Hesed, that is loving commitment and kindness. And so God is stronger than the best. How did I get that title? Look at verse 4. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. Now, here's what what is very important. When you and I look at an enemy or a problem, we think there's no way we're going to come out of this alive. We're going to be chewed up and spit out. 
And that's how they felt. Because who was coming after them when they were trapped by the Red Sea? It wasn't just Pharaoh, the greatest of the then known world. But it was Pharaoh and his most elite officers. Now you've heard of the Green Beret. You've heard of the Army Rangers. You've heard of the Navy SEALs. You put all of them together and you have the choice, chosen, select, elite force of Pharaoh. Now, here's the Israelites, six million of them, or excuse me, a million of them, and they're, they're helpless. And they seem like they're hopeless against this elite, the best of the best of the best. But guess what? God is stronger than the best. Satan may throw the best stuff he has at you to discourage you or to to destroy you. But guess what? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. God is stronger than the best. And what does God do? The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Isn't that a, a picturesque description? They sank like a stone. And that, by the way, continues as a theme in this hymn, in this ancient song you see in verse 10, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Ever hear that expression? They sank like they had lead boots on. And then in verse 16, by the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. That picture of total defeat by God tells us what? God is stronger than the best. God is stronger than the best. Secondly, God is different than the rest. In verse 9, it said, you can hear the enemy when they were coming to attack Israel. When they saw Israel as sitting ducks by the Red Sea, they were coming to destroy them. And notice their arrogance. They, the enemy boasted, I will pursue I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. Notice there's five I wills. Does that remind you of anything in the Bible? The pride and the arrogance of Satan himself. Captured in Isaiah 14, verses 13 to 14. The five I wills. You said in your heart, this is the angel Lucifer who... uh, wanted to replace God, he said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the, most, on the utmost heights. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Pharaoh and the Egyptian officers and army had the same pride that Satan had. The five I wills were repeated and God took care of them. Exodus 15:10 but you drew with your breath you blew with your breath and the sea covered them they sank like lead in the mighty waters the devil will one day sink like a rock with lead boots to the bottom of the fiery pit the lake of fire it says in Revelation 20:10 and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. God is a God of justice. Justice will be done. And God will stand against the enemies of his people. 
God will defeat them, and he will defeat them thoroughly. There will be a call to account. There will be a great white throne judgment. There is a hell, and that hell is reserved for the devil and the demons who have rebelled against God and for any and all who reject Christ and choose to side with the devil and the demons. God is different than the rest. It says in Exodus 15, 11, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? And look at these words. Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Don't you want to just stop right now and praise God? He is not to be compared to anyone or anything. God is great. And even though the Israelites did not believe in any gods with a small g, they were told by God in Deuteronomy 5, where God gave the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, remember, I have delivered you from slavery in Egypt. You are not to have any other gods before me. Any other entity that pretends to be a god is not a god. There's only one god, and he is the Lord. He is Jehovah, and Jehovah God is existing from all eternity. He's always been. Any other god is a man-made god where we make uh, the creature into the creator, and we've got it wrong. God is God alone. God is different than the rest. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is holy, 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 and his train fills the temple, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Finally, God is leading us in a quest. I want you to notice this because just as God did this for the Israelites, he's doing this for you. It says in verse 13 of Exodus 15, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Can I say something that's very important to you and me right now? And it's this, that this world is not my home. Heaven is my home. I'm just passing through. I love, I love that song that uh, has that kind of uh, lyric to it. And uh, it's a great song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We're pilgrims passing through, passing through this world. But heaven is our true home. In Christ, we're citizens of heaven. We're looking forward to a city whose foundations have been laid by God himself. And so God leads us, he guides us in his unfailing love and in his strength. And terror and dread fall upon our enemies. Terror and dread fall upon our enemies. And we find that it says here in the scriptures, the nation, verse 14, the nations will hear and tremble and anguish will grip the people of Philistia. 
The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be still as stone. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, until, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. So here's the thing. What God did in delivering the people from Egypt, slavery in Egypt, and bringing them through the Red Sea and drowning Pharaoh and his armies, that news spread through the ancient Near East. Everyone had heard about it. And they were shaken in their sandals. They were trembling with fear. The God of Israel, He is the one true God. Look at what this God has done for His people. He's delivered them miraculously against all odds. Now remember, the people of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. By the way, does anyone know why the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? They sent spies into Canaan, 12 spies, one for each tribe. When the spies came back and reported, 10 of them said, they're like giants, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, we shouldn't go in. And two, Joshua and Caleb said, we can take them, God is with us. But the people did not believe in the word of the Lord. They rebelled against what God had promised to provide for them. And that's why they were in the wilderness for 40 years, one year for each day that the spies were in the land. Their unbelief was walked out, and they continued to complain and gripe their whole time in the wilderness. And who got to go into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb, the faithful spies who told the truth, we could go there and do this. And the new generation, who were no longer slaves, but the kids of this generation, who were now taught in the way of Moses, they were allowed to go into the promised land. What does that say for you and me? In the book of Hebrews, it says, don't be like the Israelites who hardened their hearts. When the voice of the Lord spoke, they hardened their hearts. They did not believe him. Don't be like that. Do not harden your hearts. As long as it's called today, encourage one another so that the deceitfulness of sin might not harden your heart, so that you close your ears to what God's saying to you. Believe God. Step out for God and know that God is with you because God is faithful. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And God is bringing you, pilgrim, out of slavery, of sin and Satan and selfishness, and he's making you more like his son, Jesus Christ. And one day, you're going to go home to your true home. You've got a home that outshines the sun. Praise the Lord. We're going to heaven. Heaven's a wonderful place full of glory and grace. Praise the Lord. I'm going there. So we trust the Lord because he's leading us on a quest. And watch this. Verse 15, 17 of Exodus 15 you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. So this, of course, the first primary meaning is God is faithful. He'll bring his people that he's now established into a nation 
into the promised land, Canaan. And he did. He brought his people in. And the very order that you saw of the nations mentioned is the very order in which he came in and defeated one after another until they were established in Canaan, which is now Israel. Isn't this wonderful? God is able to bring them through to the promised land. And what does he want to do for you and me? He wants to bring us from the wilderness to the promised land. Many Christians are living under their birthright because we're not trusting and obeying. If we'll trust and obey, we'll experience the abundant life that God wants us to have. That's so important. Another lesson we learn from this. And this whole thing ends with this. Verse 18. The Lord reigns forever and ever. So who's the one in charge? Who is the one who is stronger than the best? Who is the one who is different from the rest? Who is the one who is leading us in a quest? The Lord! The King! The King is leading us to victory. And our response is to trust in Him and to obey. So I'm asking you to respond spiritually to this message. If you've never trusted in Christ, I urge you to turn from worshiping the world and Satan and your sin to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Pray that prayer right there and mean it from your heart to God. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. You've been a prodigal and you've been going away from Him. Pray this prayer. Forgive my waywardness, Lord. I return to you. Thanks for lovingly leading me. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.